0: One of the things the wing prides itself on is its worldwide reputation for outstanding customer service. The Maniacs are all over the world, and we have the stickers to prove it. There's no better way to network with sister units than ensuring they think of Maniacs and professionalism synonymously. I'm Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair, and this is the Maniac Radio Show. We're on episode 35, and I've got some cool stuff I want to share with you. Last month, our maintainers had a unique experience involving airmen from MacDill Air Force Base, as well as several other units. Senior Master Sergeant Duplaine interviewed one of the team leads on a project that doesn't happen every day here at the 101st, and we'll get to that here in a minute. We have a second interview with a junior enlisted member who traveled to D.C. for the EFAC, that's the Enlisted Field Advisory Council. A great opportunity and an outstanding chance for our airmen to check out. So we'll hear that interview a little later. The new Maniac Fact is heading your way as well as some things to look for this coming drill. Check it out here on the Maniac Radio Show. All right, Senior Master Sergeant plane, you know, billionaire philanthropist, oh wait, wrong title. He is the Public Affairs Superintendent, the top dog in PA. A few weeks back, he recorded an interview concerning a special opportunity in the maintenance world. And given that he was an MXS troop for a long time, it was only fitting that he settled back into his roots and to jump back into that world again to see what made the whole operation tick. Here he is.
1: How'd you end up coming here? Uh, pretty much, uh, there's an in-flight emergency where pretty much they lost uh, rudder control. Uh, so, uh, kind of almost did a Dutch roll. Uh, so we obviously that takes a lot of inspections, uh, and also had a lot of turbulence. So a die-six turbulence inspection. Uh, but one of the inspections was to look at uh, the PCU, which is one of the culprits uh, that caused the fault. There was a crack on the rudder. Uh, so, uh, with that comes the fin fold, which you see it in a configuration that's horizontal uh, now. But once the we had discussed all the parts that we needed to take. So we decided to take the whole tail off. So that way we could do a full inspection of the tail. Uh, also, we decided uh, to go ahead and replace the rudder, which was a good call. It took, uh, it took a week and a half for the, you know, the rudder to get here from Fairchild chucked across. So, uh, uh we called that pretty early R squared, And, uh, it, it the engineering has asked us to re- repair it, but there was repair that we couldn't do. So we replaced that. And then, uh, It just takes a lot of people uh, to to get the fin-folded. So we got about 21 people here right now. Uh, We did have a fuel cell guy from Pittsburgh. Uh, He was part of the turbulence inspection. You have to go in all the main tanks and and look for cracks. Uh, So he came down here. This is one of the very first inspections we did. Uh, And he he, he performed marvelously. And then uh, we sent him home. But uh, we got four people from uh, McConnell. Those are our AR guys. Those are guys that are uh, the most experience on doing this task in the Air Force, wow, uh, uh, so that's what we requested uh, to come down here to give us a hand on doing this, uh, taking this tail off, and uh, replacing the components that caused the particular in-flight emergency. So,
2: wow! And uh, how's it been working at a uh, at a location not from your base, not at your base? You
1: well, know? You, you know. Uh, it's difficult to, to do any he- heavy maintenance when you're not at you know a, a, ba- a base that's done it before. Uh, McDill, we obviously have a lot more facilities than you guys, so does McConnell. Uh, but doesn't do the fact that the job's gotta get done, right? Uh, so the facilities here have been adequate. We just had to do it outside, which of course that allows us, we are, we're at the mercy of the weather conditions, uh, as yesterday we had to cancel. Uh, Other than that, uh, you can see that we had to put the tail on two tractor trailers, uh, which is something that uh, we have actual, uh, McConnell had stands, but they couldn't get the stands to us in time. Uh, So I went ahead and made the decision, go ahead and let's put it on the tractor trailers to get this inspection knocked out. Uh, Of course, that took a little uh, uh, maneuvering on the trucks itself, but other than that, uh those are only two things usually we do this in the hangar so we're at the mercy not at the mercy and and of course we have the stands everything else uh you make do you know uh but the facilities and you know being in a guard base everyone's been overly uh overly helpful you know you know so i I have no complaints whatsoever oh that's
2: good yeah anything you want to add or can think of
1: uh it's like you're on the home stretch yeah home stretch so you know pretty much uh, uh once we get we're at the hardest part getting it uh voted at in the folded condition it is right now uh that's the hard part then we just have to uh stand her back up and then and then it comes down to objects and rigs of the uh, different components that we've taken off uh so uh, we're looking good Uh, You know, we still got to do a a operational check flight where we, you know, the plane flies it does the checks before we can get her home. Uh, But other than that, uh, yeah, they're coming down to to, to the end here. And uh, like I said, once again, you know, everyone here in uh, Bangor has been helpful, even from, you know, hotel staff. Uh, you know, since we've been all over the place due to the concerts, oh, yeah. You know, so we've been moving and shuffling hotels, yeah. even had to go out to Ellsworth with a, a bunch of guys an hour away. Uh, but we got back, the managers uh, have been uh, extremely helpful. Uh, of course, everyone in your, uh, command team over in maintenance group, overly helpful. Uh, even a contracting squadron, uh, who helped us, uh, with supply the crane. Uh, so, uh, they work with our contracting uh, back home, but they're the ones that found the guy for us, which yeah. we're, you know, extremely grateful in a, in a very timely manner uh, so that way we can get this done. Yeah, oh
2: yeah, as you know, it always takes a little bit longer too Yeah. than you expect. But,
1: yeah, yeah, it did yeah. take a little bit longer. We ran into yeah. a little hiccups. with uh, We needed a couple engineering requests. Uh, we got those knocked out. That's what took us the longest amount of time waiting on those right. and waiting on a couple of parts that we had. Yeah. Uh, uh, so everything's gone as smooth as humanly possible probably taking about five days longer than what i wanted to but you know uh safe and steady wins the race when yeah, it comes no, to a big uh, job like this like, like
2: you said doing it right and having everyone uh safe is uh it's uh hard to put a price on that so yeah. that's cool no it's uh it's good to be out capturing it so yeah yeah uh, you like know, I said I, I got your name and uh that gives me the demographics. So if
1: you're actually stationed in McDill. Yep, yep. And then you you um, you sought out the other people to come help you. out. Yeah, yeah. We uh we hit up uh, you know uh, uh, XOCL and then they they task it out. But you know, of course, we called around to see who's done it before. Right, yeah. Uh, the last time we've done it had been three years ago. Yeah. Uh, so it's been quite a little bit of time since we've done this. Uh, but my, uh, McConnell uh, uh Slag is uh, running a um, running the show, and they've done it about. I think they said they done three of them. Oh, wow. You yeah. know, uh, just this year alone. Huh. So,
2: yeah, it actually looked like it went on easier than it came off. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, you're, you're a little worried. <laughs> you always go think it's the other way. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It comes on really easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, once you get into this configuration, popping the bolts out. But everything is supposed to go smooth.
3: Yeah,
1: uh, we uh, just like it did. And, yeah. I, and I'm happy about the team here. Everyone's worked hard uh, and um, you know it was a stressful moment right here but you know the stress is gone now yeah. getting it off those tractor trailers that's what you know yeah. I, I was you know i need to get it off yeah get no it absolutely there. and
2: like i said the bolts went in quick yeah it seemed like they had more trouble getting them out than they, than they did get yeah. them in he, he slid them right in here yeah so, yeah it was uh almost an all-day event coming off and yeah yeah, yeah was it was it on within an hour here yeah so. within an hour yeah so that's that's yeah. impressive so cool.
0: So there you go. Several units from several wings came together to solve a problem. To fix a bird and get her back in the sky. It's a cool story. Drill weekend is just around the corner. And by just around the corner, I mean this weekend. So if you didn't know that, surprise. Just as a reminder, Sunday of drill weekend is family day, so be sure to let them know that they can come out and say hi. And let you know what? Let's get real for a second. Drill weekends can be fast paced, training filled, and stressful. But on Sunday, try and let that all go. Spend time with your families and enjoy the events and opportunities. Introduce them to your coworkers and show them what you do on a day-to-day basis. And if there are any dependents listening to this, be sure to bug your uniformed loved one about coming out. I'm not saying they may or may not have forgot to mention it was family day, but you never know. When people serve, it isn't just the ones wearing the uniform that make the sacrifices. The whole family carries the weight. So from all of us to you, thank you for that, and we hope to see you on Sunday. Also, if you see Lieutenant Colonel Bach, uh, Chaplain Bach, be sure to congratulate him on his recently awarded MSM. That's Meritorious Service Medal. The ceremony is on Friday, so I'm not sure if it's from his deployment that he was recently on or not. I would imagine that it is. Nonetheless, it's well-deserved. Congratulations, Chaplain. You are a role model for us all. Alrighty, I mentioned another interview, one with an airman who attended the enlisted field advisory course down in DC. Senior Airman Casey with a K, Heichel. Maybe you've seen her around. She's in the IG shop, but she was down in the dentist office in the clinic. Senior Master Sergeant DePlain interviewed her on her experience down there at the course, so here she is.
2: Hey, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Senior Master Sergeant John DuPlain from the Public Affairs Office, and I am with Casey Heichel from the IG Office. Casey with a K, right? Yes. So, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about you and um, what you're up to.
3: So, I'm Senior Airman Casey Heichel. I work as the Self Assessment Program Manager in the IG Office. I started in medical and joined the IG team in January.
2: Cool. And um, now most people don't chomp at the bit to come in on a podcast. People don't like hearing their voice, but I think we're pretty sure Chief Stevens likes hearing his voice. Is that correct? Yes. So, yeah. But uh, you decided to come in and, and talk about something that uh, you participated in. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yes. Yeah, so I had the incredible opportunity of attending the EFAC, the Enlisted Field Advisory Council meeting in DC a few weeks ago.
2: That's cool. Um, So fill me in, what's that all about?
3: So the mission of the EFAC is to propose solutions and changes and other policy actions that impact our enlisted members.
2: Who is the council? Like, Who are you reporting to on that? Uh,
3: We have um, seven regions. They represent the 54 states and territories. So each region has um, a primary and an alternate chief that that represents our region. We're Region 1 from Maine, which is um, Connecticut, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, New York, New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Vermont. So we're all of Region 1. So we have a primary and an alternate chief that represent us on the EFAC.
2: Right. So the regional chief is kind of the spokesperson kind of to, to elevate your concerns? Yes, so
3: how it starts is we have the 802 form. So if there's uh, a problem that you feel is affecting your enlisted tier, you can fill out and submit an 802 form, which goes to our chief's council, uh, and our command chief can push it through to the EFAC.
2: Okay, cool. Um, so what what did you do down there?
3: I was able to sit in on the EFAC uh, both days, and they actually invited me up to speak as a representative of the junior enlisted tier, so I got to be a voice for, as a senior airman.
2: Yeah, what would you talk about?
3: <laughs> they had a, a couple different questions for us. Um, most of them were based off of the struggles that they have relating to millennials.
2: So you're you're a millennial. <laughs>
3: yes, I believe the millennial generation starts in one
2: thousand, nine hundred and eighty-three. Yeah. I don't I don't think
3: I qualify. Not quite. Are you a baby boomer? I
2: probably uh, <laughs> yeah. I guess we all get lumped somewhere, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking as a representative of the millennials and uh, junior enlisted tier, they're they're struggling with retention um, and communicating. We, as millennials, communicate very differently than the baby boom generation. So they're, they want an insider view Right. Of how to communicate with us.
2: Yeah, well oh, that's interesting. What did you think about the uh, the process? Is that, is that typical to take um, some enlisted folks down to that? They're
3: trying to get the word out about the EFAC, make sure more members are aware of um, their mission and how they help us. Right. Um, so they did invite airmen. Um, they want to make sure that they have a widespread of, of enlisted members that they're representing there to see. This is what we do. This is how we're trying to help you and and you know get more involvement yeah. Out there.
2: Yeah. Uh, so what what would you say your big takeaways are from from the experience of going down there, kind of seeing that?
3: Well, don't be afraid to submit a NATO to and. If, if you're struggling with something, or if, if it's a problem for you, it's probably an issue that other members are, are struggling with. Um, we brought an 802 with us, um, Chief Hofstis spoke on behalf of it, and it was about members who go on orders TDY for less than 30 days and have a delay in pay and that's a huge uh, deal for somebody who might live paycheck to paycheck or a younger airman who um, they need that steady income. Uh, So it would be unfortunate if they denied um, an offer for a TDY for maybe 28 days of of school and they're just not able to do it because they might have to wait six weeks to get that pay. It's just how our pay system is currently. So it was awesome to be a part of you know bringing that in front of the uh the efac and they accepted it and they're they're working on it right. so we'll see what uh, ground they make on it with uh, the next efac meeting
2: yeah and that's not a slight on pay at all it's it's the way no, the process it's, it's and the system absolutely works, it's just but the that system. gets done
3: and there is um a new system uh on its way so yeah. It's, it's good that we brought the suggestion, and, and hopefully that will get fixed with the yeah. new system. But now they're aware of it. And right. it was this aha moment um, when Chief Hofstis was presenting it where, yeah, we have that problem too. And, yes, you're, you're right. And well, why has nobody told us this before? Right. So I think, too, uh,
2: the, the, the thought process that it's just kind of the way it is. Right. So we'll kind of deal with it, right. rather than kind of pushing that up because, you know, you, you may not feel it's as important, or it's just affecting you. That, like you said, bring it, you know could be a problem for other people, or yes. people are missing opportunities to get exposure, to you know continue their education, or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. So and that's too bad.
3: Absolutely. So don't be afraid to speak up if it's something that you think is affecting other members.
2: Yeah. Like, how does this whole process work? Like, is it just just a form? Uh, can, you, can you get into that, how that process actually kind of plays out for, for people?
3: So once you identify a concern uh, that's affecting you as a member of the Guard, then you would fill out the 802 form. It's an NGB form. Um, that would be sent to your Command Chief, and then they would represent that 802 in your region. We are Region 1, being in Maine. And that would be brought to the to the EFAC.
2: And is there a process where, if I submitted one, would I hear back? Or
3: yes, yeah. yes, you would be listed as a, a POC on the on the form.
2: Okay, cool. And uh, so that was your first time, kind of being involved in something like this.
3: Yes, yes, it was my first time in D.C. Oh, cool. As well, so yeah. it was a great experience. Um, I had never been to NGB before, so to be able to go there. Um, it was it was very interesting because while I was there, there was also the um, two-week chief's course for any new um, chief in the Air National Guard. Yep. So they were there for their their course and then they also had the Airman of the Year uh, ceremony. So it was it was awesome to be able to witness that, yeah. um, and then the EFAC was being held. So there was a lot going on in, at NGB that week, wow. um, and I got to see some some maniacs um, at NGB, and it was great to be able to network with them.
2: Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So what would you say your your biggest takeaway from the whole experience is?
3: Probably one of my biggest takeaways was that EFAC is a tool that we should be utilizing, and. Um, Don't be afraid to speak up if you do have an issue or a policy that you think needs the attention and and, um, editing. So um, to have that holistic view of, wow, these are things that we're speaking up about on our base and getting attention of, and now we've brought it to a whole nother level. And here they are actually actioning it and trying to help us and and that's their ultimate goal is is to help our enlisted members
2: Right. yeah is there anything you want to add or anything i, I didn't hit on that you think is important
3: um i did have the opportunity to fly my first c12 and cool. uh, i also got to go sightseeing in downtown dc with our command chiefs, yep. um, chief, chief offices and chief oscar so it was it was amazing. I had never seen the national monun- monuments before. Uh, we had a great time. Yeah, a lot I think of I saw fun. a photo
2: of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I had a big group photo. Yeah, which is which is good. No, that's great. And um, and we know you're busy getting ready for drills, so we we appreciate your time. And you. and maybe we'll do a follow up too um, if if we get more uh, of these you eight oh 80-
3: 802.
2: 802 forms that come in, it, it'd be neat to, to get that out. I think it might create a cycle where more people are
3: Yes, are I hope that. so. Yeah. And for those who are going to the Airman Summit in October, which is being held in D.C., yep. I think they're going to have a great time. I had an awesome time, so cool. I hope they take advantage of it and make the most of that opportunity.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, and... Uh, Appreciate you taking the
3: time to
0: come over. Thank you. Thank you, Senior Duplain, for the interview. And thank you to Senior Erman Heichel for tolerating the PA shop. It's always good to share the maniac story with everyone. And here comes the plug. If you know of something happening that you want covered or want recognized, please reach out to the PA shop and we'd love to work with you. We have a couple of video stories in the works right now, one news story about some new equipment that the wing is receiving, and another feature story about how a chief master sergeant has decided to start over as an O-1 for the sole purpose of seeking that next challenge. And who knows, maybe he'll be the wing commander someday, but it takes a lot of ambition to do that, and it's a really cool story. And we have stories like that all the time out here. Just keep us in the loop and we'd love to share it. We've talked dozens of times on this podcast on why it is that training is vital to what we do. Deployment cycles, inspections, home station missions, it's all relative. We need to train, bottom line. There's no getting around it. If we jet back to 1965, we'll find that training was just as important for the 101st Air Defense Wing as it is today for the 101st Air Feeling Wing. On November 6th and 7th of 1965, members of the Survival and Personal Equipment Section of the 101st Supply Squadron took part in a survival training exercise. It was held in the survival training area here on base to simulate survival conditions. The exercise was held to provide additional training and experience to this section, which is responsible for survival training, for the aircrew members. Those taking part in the exercise were Captain Robert Hall, Master Sergeant Paul Tower, Staff Sergeant Ralph Boyington, Airman First Class Charles Pooler, and Airman Second Class Randolph Marias. Airman Second Class. That is a new one I haven't heard of yet. I'll have to look that one up. Anyway, aside from munching on dehydrated cereal bars and sipping instant coffee, the aircrew members built canopies out of parachutes to keep dry from the rain. And from what I understand, it rained both days that they did this exercise. They also used bows as bedding. Now, for those of you who don't know what a bow is, because I didn't, It's the main part of a tree branch. They started by gathering big boughs or branches. Let's just call them branches. Bough is just a weird word. They started by digging the beefy part of a branch into the dirt, causing the branch to stay in place. The smaller twigs on that branch suspended the rest of that branch up, causing it to act as a box spring. Pretty cool. Then they laid smaller, softer pine branches over the makeshift box spring to act as a mattress. It actually sounds kind of comfortable. I mean, I wouldn't want to try it with all the ticks that we've had this year. You'd probably wake up with more problems than you had when you went to sleep. Of course, the airmen also built a stone fireplace to cook their food and keep warm. I'm sure it was nothing elaborate, not like a brick oven for pizza or anything like that, but it was enough to get the job done. The crew spent time talking about different scenarios and how to survive in the wilderness. They went over situations like how to find food, like berries and edible mushrooms, and even how to construct a makeshift fishing pole Using just their bootlaces and a hook fabricated from a tuna can. Well, let's talk about that for a second. I have a hard time enough catching a fish with a $100 rig and a $9 lure, let alone a bootlace and a hunk of metal. But they are the experts. Of course, they went over some other things that we all learned in Cub Scouts or land navigation school, like finding true north and whittling out a spear. For anyone listening to this podcast wondering what they would need a spear for, just remember our flyers go all over the world the last thing they want to do is crash land in a place where there are wolves, grizzly bears, or or sasquatch might be running around, looking for something to eat just like they are. And if it's good enough for Rambo, it's good enough for me. Pretty cool stuff anyway. Kind of a miniature version of the survival portion of Seer, conducted in-house and constructed organically. The survival crews would later go on to train our flyers and ground combat personnel the same techniques they learned right here in the main backwoods. And just like Spider-Man leaving the MCU, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Maniac Radio Show. I'm Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair with the 101st Public Affairs Shop here in Bangor, Maine. Another shout out to Master Sergeant Lesko from MacDill Air Force Base and Senior Airman Heichel for doing the interviews. There's some really good content there, so thank you for sharing that. Be sure to hit us up on Facebook and Instagram by searching 101STARW, and be sure to hit that like or follow button. You'll find stories, videos, photos, podcasts, all the good stuff that our comm squadron blocks on drill weekend. Oh no! I'm just joking. Yeah, I'll probably hear about that one later on. But it's all in good fun. But check those out as well as our divids, iTunes, and official website. We're everywhere. Another shout out to Tech Sergeant Harless from the command post for allowing us to use some of his music you heard in this episode. He could be the next Zach Wild, you never know. Have a safe drill weekend and enjoy family day. So long and don't forget to be awesome.